Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. No matter where we go, uh, you know, be it California or Ohio or Australia or Canada or the UK, you know, I show up and somebody says, you know, I'm really I like I like what you guys are doing, but like our guys here, uh, you know, like I was just in Australia and it was that it was like, you know, I just don't think Australian. Eh, I just, you know, like I appreciate what you're doing, but I don't think it's for us. And then, you know. 15 seconds into the workshop, you know, boom, it's, it's like, we're, 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 it's for everybody. It's, we're, we're really just working with some basic human wiring stuff here that really, uh, is independent of, you know, time, location, and culture. I'm your host, Natalie Dronovac, and this is The Modern Women, a show that seeks to share the stories and experiences of women that may be out of our line of sight. For this season's episode of The Modern Man, I invited Dan Doty onto the show to explore his work with Everyman, his organization which gives men tools and guidance to access repressed areas of emotion and desire. We keep hearing about toxic masculinity and its negative impacts on men, and as a consequence, women too. Toxic masculinity is often seen as a way to describe the harmful consequences of men's perceived needs to conform to some hyper-masculine and traditional ideal. A stereotype that rejects any notion of softness or femininity as it is seen as weak, and as a result, men and the people in their lives suffer. Dan's work with men helps them increase their abilities to connect deeply with others, and he is making a real impact on the lives of those men who do partake, as well as everyone around them. I wanted to sit down with Dan to uncover what his work is all about, how it benefits men, women, and of course, our future generations. And as I seek to ensure I expand my conversations to include guests from around the world who offer their stories and experiences, sometimes there can be some technical difficulties. Throughout today's episode, you may notice a few differences in the audio experience of this episode, but hopefully it will not detract from the insightful content that Dan Dirty offers up. And for those who haven't subscribed to The Modern Women, be sure to do so now so you don't miss any upcoming episodes and can get notified for when they go live. Dan, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. I'm excited to chat. We've been trying to put this together for a while, so excited. Let's kick off with your rapid fire. So number one, most influential woman in your life other than your mother? It has to be my wife, Elise. There's, there's no question about it. Amazing. Do you want Book me with to the most- say more or is it, that, how rapid is this? I would, I would love to hear why. Oh man. I mean, I have, so we've been married for five years 
And I have learned more about myself and just basic humanity and what marriage means and what commitment means and what uh, true connection means. And I feel like I'm I'm taking a like the whatever is beyond the PhD level uh, course in in human relating through through and with my wife, and it's uh, the best thing I've ever done. I love that. I always think that marriage is the greatest mirror you can ever look at. It's also the biggest challenge I think that I've ever come up against, which is saying a lot. But. Definitely. So, a uh, book with the most impact on you? Siddhartha by Herman Hesse, and I probably say that wrong, but uh, I've read that book aloud to groups of young men probably two dozen times, and I've probably read it another two dozen times myself. Uh, it it just speaks to it's like a Bildungsroman of uh, just the life cycle of a man and the chapters of, of a man's life. And uh, it's just always been like the perfect book for me. Perfect. What do you value most in life? Experience and actually experiencing life like full tilt. Like I, whether it's connections with others or my own experience, my own feelings uh, or nature, whatever it is, I, I appreciate and am endeared to like full out uh life living living fully as much as possible what should people know about you that is often misunderstood that i uh i i am a giant i guess maybe it's not misunderstood but i i like to play both ends of the spectrum i feel like i have a very very sort of hard-nosed uh, solidity to me but i also uh, i'm just a big tender teddy bear uh, and I think that's confusing maybe to people that they're both true or, or the whole, like the whole spectrum has, I try to let it have equal weight with me. What's a life skill you wish was taught in school? The ownership and expression of emotion. Full stop. Perfect. So a mutual friend actually connected us and she shared with me, Every friend I have whose husband goes to Dan Doty comes back and is changed in the most incredible way and that we, as the modern women, need to be met by modern men if we are to change the world together and that every man gives me hope for you and every man gives me hope for that, which I feel like gives you really big boots to fill. <laughs> what a beautiful, what a beautiful uh, clip. I mean, that, uh, I'm smiling big here. That's incredible. That's beautiful. That's beautiful to hear. Before we do dive into your work, I actually wanted to touch on something because as I was um, reading and researching, something that you shared was that uh, throughout all of your work, you have learned and absorbed a lot. And it showed you what it means to be a man today in our culture. So by your own definition, what do you think it is to be a man today? So I'm going to flip that. And interestingly, I feel like to be a man today is is there is like a complete absence of definition in any prescriptive way. I do not believe it is helpful for anyone to say what it means to be a man or to say how a man should be. I believe it's the other way around. I think that it needs to be for, um, it has to be descriptive. The more a man is himself fully, completely, and without reservation, that's the only thing I think that uh, has credence in today's world right now. Would you say the same for a modern woman? Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah. 
I like that you've unpacked that. Um, I actually interviewed a trans man and he said the exact same thing. He said the more that he realized the socialization of what it is to be a man, the more we try to define it creates more um, havoc and controversy. Yeah, I just don't think it's helpful. You know, I think as, as we allow ourselves to be like our full selves, you it's you can see that we can still group together qualities, right? You can still sort of see that perhaps men, when fully expressed, have tendencies in a certain way. But I, my preference is just to leave it alone. I, I just don't think it's helpful because it's hard to not um, cause an impact on people's, you know, actions and desires if you're labeling things any certain way. Um, I'd love if you could share, give a little summary about what it is that you do so people can understand as we dive into your work, um, the basis of where all of your answers most often stem from. Yeah, so the the heart of it is this. Uh, there are two main things that we are working against. The first is emotional repression, and the second is uh, isolation or just disconnection from humans. And again, this applies to all people. But uh, particularly, there are, you know, statistically, men repress their emotions often, and they do not have the level of human connection that is needed for health and wellness and just general goodness. So what we do is we get together in several different ways, but generally speaking, through men's groups, small groups of guys that get together to practice, we do weekend retreats, we do wilderness expeditions, we do corporate trainings, but all of it comes back to a simple practice of three steps. We get together and we slow down uh, and that can look like meditation or it can just be consciously and purposefully uh, just slowing down, right? Like like we get together and we shift out of the fast digital paced world and this cognitive spinning, this fast mind centric way of living that we're always in and we get down and we, while we slow down, as we slow down, the second step is we get in touch with what we feel and we use our bodies, a somatic process or a physiological process of noticing what's happening in our body and uh, an emotional basis too. So we literally practice over and over what emotion is there. Can we let ourselves feel it more? Can we express it? What you know? What's there? So we slow down, we feel, and then the third step is is simple. It's it's reaching out to share or connect with others. So it's a very very uh, simple process of um, getting in touch with our truth and sharing it with others, which is actually a, a pretty risky and scary thing to do. Uh, but that's that's really it. So, would you say your work is somewhat of a rehabilitation for men and their emotions? You know, there's aspects of that. I I, I would be hesitant to label that label it that in full. Um, it's it's a you know it's an educational experience in part. It's a rehabilitational experience in part. You know, it has therapeutic benefits to it, uh, but it also has much more, I don't know, I would say simplistic levels of just just pure connection of, you know, friendship and camaraderie. And there's some simple learnings of, you know, men, men kind of quickly come to this point. They're like, oh, man, all these things that I think are so wrong with me or I think I'm the only one struggling with, uh, they realize that that's really ridiculous and pretty much everybody is feeling this stuff and so there's this normalization process um you know about ourselves i I think honestly it's just it's a place to learn about who we are and in some sense uh check it across 
a, a small population of other well-meaning men and, uh, you know, learn about ourselves. Do you find that men are able to quickly adapt once you've put them into that environment with yourself? Crazy, crazy fast. And the, the key to the, to the speed at which they're able to adapt is uh, modeling and leading by example. And that's one of the core tenets of our ethos and how we do this. And I really, one of the reasons that I believe it's, it's taking on so well, like there is no, uh, we're a very like uh, ground level organization in the sense is that we don't consider ourselves teachers. We're not in there like instructing people how to live or anything. We just get in there. You know, if you're sitting in a group with me, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to check in and I'm going to just going to model this type of communication. I'm just going to tell you exactly what's up with me, regardless of what it is. Um, so that tool and that sort of process helps a lot. I guess it's like that notion. Everyone's waiting for someone to go first. The, ex yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The moment you see someone else express vulnerability, the more willing you're like, oh, well, hold on. They won't be able to hold it against me. It just it automatically lets people uh, sort of take their guards down a little bit, and as it continues, it's just this fast process. Yeah, you know, we'll have a room of sixty men at one of our retreats, and you know, everybody's kind of nervous. Every you can feel the tension in the room, and then one person will start, and they'll say something vulnerable and scary, and you literally feel the air just like loosen and relax and open up, and it's like, all right, it's on. You know. so what would you say if you look towards everything you're working towards with your work, would there be like an end goal? Like, is it, you know, I want to help a hundred thousand men or is there a definitive goal that you're hoping to pursue? You know, what we tell people is, is we would love to see a million men in groups around the world, but I, I have, we, I think we have bigger goals than that. And that would be the normalization of, uh, this type of emotional fluency, uh, that far outpaces our specific business goals, which would be this stuff is taught to all people in schools and this is taught in institutions. And, you know, we have some amazing sort of headway in some of that. Like we've already begun doing trainings for therapists to teach them um, some of these simple methods. We have people working on bringing this to schools. We're, you know, we're starting to do this in the corporate environment. And so that would be like the big lofty audacious goal is that, you know, we can help humans all over the place uh, connect more deeply and just sort of kind of cut the crap and be honest with each other. So do you ever find that men walk away from the safety of the environment you have created and back into the repressed reality that they previously existed in? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, and that I was just going to say, because the reason I asked that was because I've done some pretty outlandish uh, experiences for myself, like personally. And there's always that moment where you realize you kind of cross the bridge back into the world you existed in. And there's a, there is a battle between harnessing the things that you discover in that moment a million percent yeah so we're pretty heavy on we call it integration right you know how do you how do you use these experiences to be uh, practically helpful in day-to-day -day life and so our our sort of system our methodology in making that happen is that so so yeah you can go on an eight-day wilderness expedition with us you can go on, on a weekend but we actually believe that uh, a weekly men's group a peer-to-peer -peer men's group in your own community is the most powerful uh, method to growth and change that that we've ever come across because it's 
it's just the, like the right amount and it's consistent. You know, it is, it is an amazing integration tool for anything, actually. You know, you can be in a group and, you know, some big event happens in your life. The group helps you sort of normalize and work through it. You could go do a giant personal growth thing on your own. You could go to Peru and do ayahuasca, but you come back and your group can sort of help normalize that, whatever it is. The other, um, the other sort of benefit or how it tends to happen is that, you know, we have a very specific skill set we practice. We practice it, and then what happens is it, it tends to begin to generalize into day-to-day life, right? So this ability to be vulnerable about one's sadness, uh, you know, you practice it enough with your group of guys, and then you go home and your intimate partner, you know, it's like, all right, I, I get I, I need to start doing this, or I want to start doing this uh, with my intimate partner, and, and you begin doing it, and you have a support to to do that. So we we do do what we can and i think we can always do better but to take care about that bridge crossing definitely because the reason i asked that is so leading up to this interview i had a few male friends of mine view your work um a couple of them watch your tedx talk and of course there is absolutely no equivalent for actually participating in your work but coincidentally all of them did come back to me with the same conclusion that looks great but that's just not how my friendship groups exist. And I just don't see how I could build such honesty with them. <laughs> that's great feedback. <laughs> um, well, I mean, it is real, right? I mean, there there is a status quo. And then uh, there is a, a, a perceived potential new reality, right? And I think it's uh, there's a there's a rocky uh, a potential, you know, rocky off ramp to to make a shift there. So the guys that often um, are coming to us, and 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 I, you know, it's I'm kind of I'm both grateful and surprised to say that at this point we have more guys coming to us than we can manage. Like it's actually been one of our biggest stresses. Is like they're coming in droves, and the they are generally, you know, there's so many reasons that men come to to participate in this, but what one commonality that often comes out is is just that I is, is this looking for like-minded folks you know I think there's enough guys on on the spectrum of um, man my friends all they do is drink now and you know like I love them and they love me but there's this part of me that's just looking to grow more or there's this more uh, this this part of me that's looking for more connection and I think that we're just trying to make it uh, accessible, right? So whenever a guy's like, all right, I'm not quite fulfilled by, you know, drinking and, and I, I'm saying drinking, that's just a very easy, low-hanging fruit way to, to talk about what I'm saying, right? But, um, you know, basically my stance is cool uh, if and when you want to uh, build some relationships that are based simply on your the value of you and your truth, then we're here, man. Like, come come if you want. Yeah. Well, because one of the things that was expressed to me was the idea that um, creating those deep, meaningful and emotional connections and, you know, for those gentlemen to express their vulnerability, it allows them to be at the mercy of someone else. And then with another example of low hanging fruit, um, another friend of mine said, well, it just doesn't pay to be a nice guy in terms of building and getting relationships with with, with women. Um, because I guess he would be someone who I would describe as more of like, you know, a man with a sensitive soul. Um, and he said every time he's tried to just be a genuinely nice guy, 
it just gets friend zoned. And he's like, and I look around at all of the males in my life and I think the douchebags are the ones that the women are gravitating towards. That's interesting. To me, that feels a little old paradigm, you know, and it depends, you know, I think it depends on on where you live and, and what your community is. And I'm sure that's true in places, right? But um, I I also think that it's a misconception to think that coming to an everyman group is just going to turn you into a nice guy. It's actually not true. Um, nice or not nice has mm. nothing to do with it. The the fact is, is we all we all have a an emotional spectrum or an experiential spectrum, right? So, I think that nice guys come to our group, and what they get in touch with is the fact that you know what they actually probably they do have anger, and it's pent up and it's it's not expressed, and so they have an opportunity to own the darker parts of themselves, which just yeah, almost feel like it fills out the rainbow in a sense. You know, it doesn't make them angry. It doesn't make mm. them violent, but what it does yeah. is like gives them an opportunity to own more because I agree, you know, just like the nice guy that gets walked over. I mean, shit, that's not the goal. <laughs> you know that I mean, there, there's no actual goal other than, you know, what do you got in there that you're, you're, not own it. Have you found that, I mean, a lot of your work is um, US-based, but have you found that uh, cross-culturally there is a shift and change depending on who you're working with or where they're from? Yes and no. I love that question. And I love the, I love experimenting with it too. So one of the, one of the fun things that's, that's consistent is no matter where we go, uh, you know, be it California or Ohio or Australia or Canada or the UK, you know, I show up and somebody says, you know, I'm really, I like, I like what you guys are doing, but like our guys here, uh, you know, like I was just in Australia and it was that it was like, <laughs> you know, I just don't think Australian, eh, I just, you know, like I appreciate what you're doing, but I don't think it's for us. And then, you know, 15 seconds into the workshop, you know, boom, it's, it's like, we're, 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 it's for it's us. It's for everybody. It's we're we're really just working with some basic human wiring stuff here that really uh, is independent of you know time, location, and culture. That'll probably be proved wrong, right? Like, I don't know. There's sure there's groups of guys probably that um, at least would. So let me just say this: the single only thing that uh, is needed for this to be effective is willingness to try it is really right. So if people aren't willing, okay. I mean, you know, it's just probably not going to work. It's never going to work. Yeah. So from what I've gathered and like from my understanding at the core of your message is human connection and how connected men can and will lead to a safer and more equitable world. And I was curious when you say safer, safer for who? Their children, their coworkers, their wives, their partners, their parents, um, themselves. I would say, and, and, and I mean that in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because I'd love to unpack the idea of a safe space with you. And I do it in a very blanket, very simplistic way, because I know when I, as a woman hear or I think of a safe space, it's kind of immediately, it's, it's well lit. There's enough people around. And that's, you know, that single internal evaluation that I won't be harmed, assaulted, at worst killed. Whereas seemingly a safe space for men from what we're coming to understand is a space where they can talk and express their emotions. And I only draw this analogy because I find that a lot of women also sometimes don't take this male safe space thing real because in contrast, it does seem like it's worlds apart for what we individualistically need. I, I think that's fair. I mean, I think that's super fair. So 
the first thing, sort of like the biggest part, and there's there's so much more to it, but I'll just share like the biggest part of, of what I mean in how I believe this makes things safer is that I feel like men are at the center and are the hands of a lot of harm to others, themselves and others, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just true, right? I don't think we have to debate. Absolutely. That. Yeah. And my experience is that a, a portion of that, I have no way to measure that, comes from or can be related to deep, deep levels of repressed emotion, trauma, and life experience. And I feel like the the, mm -hmm. the male habit of keeping things pent up and not dealing with things and not reaching out, it I think it's just wildly destructive. So when I say safe, mm -hmm. safe, safety, I mean that I'm raising my two boys and really taking deeply seriously my mental health and my, my emotional capacity so that I do not either purposefully or probably more common, not purposefully or subconsciously wreak havoc on them in their lives, you know? And so, so that's, that's yeah. one subtle way. I mean, the other sort of simplistic way is that in some ways, what we're doing is is finding a way to train empathy. And when men, so when men shut off their, their own capacity to feel, they can no longer feel others. That's kind of how it works. And so when a man is unfeeling and harming someone else, it, I mean, I, I just feel like when a man is open and feeling the, again, this is, I'm not... I can't make any statistical things here, but it seems to be the case when a man can feel his propensity or even ability to hurt others purposefully drops drastically. Do you ever also just sometimes absolutely flabbergasted that men just have this overwhelming urge to hurt people? Like I know when I read stories about women getting assaulted or the uh, rates of domestic violence, and I just stop and think, why? Yeah. You know, why is it so shocking and is it so hard to just not lay your hands upon yeah. someone else? Uh, no, it, it affects me deeply. And I, you know, one tied to what I was just saying, I mean, I, I think that the, sort of compounded trauma undealt with has something to do with it. But the other part that I'm also deeply curious about is I have two little boys. I have a, a 10 month old boy and a three year old boy. And there is some like just lashing out aggressive behavior uh, that they exhibit that seemingly comes totally unprompted and out of nowhere um, that, I don't, you know, I actually would like to have the time to dive into it and read the literature and find out what it is all about. But, but it's true there, you know, there is this sort of, I don't know if it's physiological, I don't know what it is, but there is this sort of aggressive thing. And, and I, um, it's such a complicated, it's something I would like to spend a lot more time learning and, and talking about because, because it's, it's hurting people, obviously, but we also do need to come up with healthy ways to work with our young boys and our boys and all kind of like all of our boys on uh, appropriate, helpful and loving avenues and ways for it. So one of the things we do, we call it an anger ceremony. We go out in the woods 
and we give guys some space and, and time out in the woods away from everything where everything is safe to just lose their shit, you know? And yeah, I, I've done something like that, but it's in an acting yeah. scenario and it's like, just, just let everything go. Yeah. So do you, do you think that the, or sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Please. I go. forgot. No, I, I want to, I'm excited to hear your question. I was just going to say, like speaking about going out and having that ability to express themselves from, I guess, what you've seen in the men you most commonly you know, work with, do you think it is more of that childhood innateness like you're seeing within your own boys? Or do you think it also becomes this ingrained idea of what it means to you know, be a man? Oh, man, that's such a good question. And I don't know that I, I, don't know that I have clarity on an answer. The other element that I'll uh, put in here, which honestly to me makes it even more confusing and uh, unwieldy in a sense, is I've spent a lot of time in my life out in the woods. Um, and have a you know sort of deep uh nature past and love and connection and uh man in the wild <laughs> honestly generally speaking the male of the species like not very cool they don't they, they don't act very cool uh you know they're aggressive i was in animals that yeah, you say grizzly bear grizzly yeah. bear dads eat their children you know I mean, like oh, wow. ducks, like are are brutal rapists. Like it's just, it's like astounding, like the levels of violence that does seem to generally come from the males. And so, again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have expert level sort of. This is something I'd like to explore more, and um, I just, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, because I mean, I sometimes think that there's certainly this framing of masculinity almost as a performance, mm. you know, whether or not you see it from your parents, Hollywood, society, for some it's religion, but there just seems to be these uh, competing forces that reinforce these ideas of what, that, well, equally that men should be harmful to women. I mean, some that come to mind to me, like firstly, is like sport and mas hyper-masculinity yeah. yeah. and violence. And you kind of think when you're watching this aggression, and I mean, for example, I'll use NFL because um, you're American, and you just see men just running at each other in just such a primal way. And, and I think like I have so many guys who follow that and they're like, yeah, that's awesome. And then I think, but it also breeds into your mind this idea of what it is to be cool and to be respected, because I would say most NFL players like have a lot of bravado um, if you ever, if you know, you ever meet yeah, your fans. Of no, I mean, you're absolutely right. Of course, there's all of these societal uh, norms and, and structures that they do. They, you know, they celebrate violence. And it's, again, I feel like, again, I'm not, I'm not claiming sort of expert status here. But uh, when we work with anger with people, like, the the one thing we often say is that, you know, anger has a place and violence has a place when someone is literally crossing boundaries and hurting you or hurting your family or, you know, little when violation occurs, the, the honestly like appropriate response is anger and, and violence. Right. And I, you know, I, I like to spend time thinking about history and prehistory and, and, and men way back in the day. And, uh, you know, if we were hunter gatherers and we were out in the woods and, uh, violence was necessary to, to, I suppose, kill food and violence uh, was ne deemed necessary at the time to protect resources or to uh, to survive, right? So I think that there's some pretty wild old wiring with all this stuff. And when it comes down to identity, 
and men's identity, men do not have the, they do not hold the seat of giving life, right? That is not the, the biological purpose of men. And, and I do think that there is truth, some truth, again, I'm not claiming perfect knowledge here, but some truth to some deep innate, uh, or maybe it's not even innate, but practiced human role for men, right? Which today is just wildly different. Like the world today is just so wildly different for most of us that that shit just doesn't fit. And I think it's, there is sort of this confusion of how, what that energy does. I mean, what are we supposed to, are we all supposed to go to CrossFit like crazy people and just, you know, use that energy that way? Are we supposed to, you know, build companies with that? Like, what are we supposed to do with that energy? What I can say for sure is that energy is real and can be harnessed for real, beautiful, protective and loving purposes, right? I think that to me, that's the real, um, in, for me, it would be the intended direction to start shaping that stuff. Yeah. Like, I, I am not delusional to believe that um, men don't need that support and allyship. Like, I have some wonderful men in my life, and I do see where they uh, are challenged to express their emotions for whatever reasons that they mm-hmm. all personally have. Um, but as I guess we look and we move forward, do you think that how we can uh, better this situation and this evolution, I guess, that's happening, um, that we have to hold men's hands or it's up to men to hold each other's hands? Honestly, I think it's going to take all of it. <laughs> I think we're all going to have to hold each other's hands eventually. Yeah, because yeah. the only – well, the thing that I want to touch on that though is like where were men holding women's hands? Mm. Do you know, like I, I have kind of – I guess I sometimes mm. laugh and there's this world now where – me too happened and then now so many men are like oh but it's not me and it's equally like well we're just having finally this ability to have you know our own Mm. voices be heard and then at the same time there's this collective rise in men being like no 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 i'm a good guy so why can't they just kind of hold each other's hands and let us women do out you know what i mean like and all of a sudden it's like now we must help you too that's all I'm just trying to say. I can imagine that that would feel maddening. <laughs> and so, you know, <laughs> I guess what what I have to say is not direct. It's kind of to that point, but but here's what here's what I would hope is possible. That, uh, or, or sort of, I guess, say one of the I don't even I don't even want to call it a strategy, but one of the thoughts I have is that this men holding each other's hands, if you want to call it that, and coming together and learning these skills. Uh, to me, at a baseline, is is a first step of responsibility, or is a step of responsibility. It's like, all, all right, we we, we got to figure this shit out, guys. Right? Like, this is this is this is completely on us, and we got to do this together. What what I feel is an effect of this is that when men do this, if it's safer for men to do it together first, which it seems to be often the truth, then. I think the men are then capable, we are, I'll speak for myself, I am now capable to engage with women fully to have those deep, scary, wild conversations and take the actions that need to be happened. I actually don't think a lot of men are yet capable to meet women and where they're at, right? And so in some sense, I see a longer time frame or a longer sort of storyline here. And I see this so men collectively getting their shit together as one piece of it. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, look, I, I love the work you're doing. Um, I think it's really helpful. I think it's beneficial. I just recall when I was sharing it with a um, female friend of mine and she was like, you know, 
it's not for those who are suffering at the hands of racism to fix the problem. It's for racists to fix their own issues. And so she was like, well, what about that when it comes to this kind of, you know, helping men through emotional safe spaces? Like at the end of the day, it does create harm towards women, which is shocking. But, you know, um, male suicide rates are also rising, which, again, it's a travesty. Yeah, and I think, you know, the the big the big ask of of anybody or women, which is probably completely unfair, would be to well let me tell a quick story so I, I was at the this big sort of fancy coming together of ideas a couple of years ago and there was a panel on masculinity and uh i spoke up and i said that i used to work with young men and i worked with a lot of young men who hurt other people and they were bullies and they were offenders and they you know caused a lot of damage and as i spent hundreds of days with them it is unequivocally true that these boys were hurt and damaged so, so deeply. And they're acting out of a deep, 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 deep place of lack and hurt. And, and only once, literally only once in thousands of, thousands of men I've worked with, has it come across like there is something wrong and this is a bad person. It's and again, I don't say this in an excuse. I want to be careful. It's not an excuse. There's no excusing here. But I I do believe that like the catchphrase is hurt people hurt people, and that doesn't. I think we can say that and and say that we have to take complete and utter responsibility for things. So, do you feel like you hope? or that your work is for those, you know, older men who have ingrained patterns that need to be broken, or that it would be for younger men to help shape them into, I guess, quote unquote, better men? Both, both completely. I mean, the the median age of, of who we're drawing naturally is probably, you know, 32 to 38, you know, somewhere about my age. That's, um, you know, the oldest man we've had on a retreat was 89. And the youngest we've had was 19. Um, I have done this work with young people, you know, from the ages of basically nine to 19 for, for large chunks of my life. I think it's uh, equally valid and appropriate at all. And, and again, I just, just to sort of be clear too, it's, <clears throat> we, we're not necessarily framing this just as a reparative activity, right? It, it's, it's, it's an affirmative activity as well. It's like, you know, I mean, some of that is is um and then this is such a good debate and i and i get myself into trouble with it sometimes but it's you know i we're not going to succeed as an organization if we're out there hey guys you suck uh you got to come like fix yourself right like it's just not going to work and it's just not it's just it's not my belief either you know i think Do you find um, something I'm curious to, I guess, understand? And I feel like I'm asking this because I can't remember when I first crossed that precipice to realize that expressing my emotions was completely fine and valid and very like vulnerably. But what do you find is most often the thing that holds men's holds men back? Um, because I feel like whether it's most women who are listening to this and they're thinking either about their sons or they're thinking about their boyfriends or husbands, um, 
you know, and they're kind of going, well, okay, how can I better foster that? So I do start to create that better yeah, emotional I would say space for my partner. One is the first would be just the explicit acknowledgement that it's okay and safe to do so. You know, like, like saying, hey, it's okay to share, you know, permission. Permission would be one. Uh, but I would say even larger than that is one of the biggest impediments, and I, I hinted at this earlier, but is the lack of ever having seen it done. The lack of knowing that it is possible that you can still yeah. be alive afterwards. <laughs> like, it's just, like, there's just not many, like, male examples of good, healthy emotionality. And I, you know, it's just kind of, so it's just like this dark spot on the map, honestly. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. And you kind of look around and you see the examples. And I mean, due to social media, due to the mainstream media, it's always reinforced this idea of, um, and to use language, you mm -hmm. know, don't be a little bitch. Don't be a pussy. You're a mama's boy. You're acting like a girl. You're a sissy. And it's just like, we utilize all these we utilize all this language, which is all, which is so feminized. And it's kind of like, what's so wrong with expressing? Because to me, femininity is a certain totally. energy. It's not the idea that I'm a woman. And I just kind of wonder why, why is that expression of femininity so bad? Whereas most often the, the close relationships I have with men in my life are those who I guess can uh, balance or at least, you know, well, uh, I think the, what comes own. to mind is that, um, deeply, unfortunately, the, you know, I don't, and I don't know how long this goes back culturally or historically, but the, you know, feminine has been labeled in those ways as weak, right? Or, and there's this amazing quote, you know, Esther Perel is a, yeah. is a friend and mentor of ours. And, and um, I believe she attributes, attributes this to a guy named Terry Real, who's uh, an amazing guy that's worked with men for a long time. But anyway, the idea is this, is that uh, the quote goes something like, you know, for whatever reason, masculinity is very fragile it's something that you know can be taken away from you it's something that you have to earn you're not just imbued with it whereas femininity or or, or even womanhood in a sense is just like uh, you know it just is it's not going anywhere you don't have to earn it and so there's this deep fragility that men have around their identity and about their value and their worth and and i think I think that our culture has propagated that and sustained that really deeply. And so that's, you know, I think if we can sort of be aware of that and go right to the source of that and be like, and that's, you kind of, I kind of say it as a joke, but I really deeply mean it. When a guy shows up to read, it's just retreat. It's just like, Hey, you guys are men. You don't, there's no man card to earn. You don't have to like, like it's just this blanket statement, right? It, it's you, you don't, you don't have to have like, there's no measuring here, no genital measuring, no any measuring, no anything. It's just like you are you and it's cool. And and that is, you know, if we if I could wave a magic wand and, and you know, men around the world or humans around the world could, could hear that and take that in, I, I think it would, I think it'd be helpful. And I think that's, uh, that, that idea of fragility is very real. Yeah. It's so uh, humorous that um, 
it seems so simple, yet it's so hard at some times to harness. Um, secondly, I must say, Esther Perel, I'm absolutely obsessed with her. So when you said any quote was coming out of her mouth, I was heavily engaged and couldn't wait to hear it. But it made me think about, um, I don't know who actually said this one, but it's a, a woman's greatest fear is that she um, will be killed. Exactly. A man's is that he will be laughed at, which speaks to that fragility aspect that you're referencing. And it's just like, ah, how can you be so worried? But, but, but that's it. That, that's, uh, that's totally it, right? Like, it's interesting, like, historically, think about it. Like, men have gone off to war and gone to battle, and their lives are, in some ways, you know, devalued because you'll lose it, right? That, like, there, there's this honor or idea that goes as, you know, will put myself yeah. in harm's way. I will die for something. I think that's like this deep, deep, like, masculine thing like value like i will die for that meaning i will sacrifice this life of mine does not have the value and i will i will lose it right and i just think that um so what what is there to lose if your life isn't valued what is there to lose it's honor it's respect it's status um and you know I, I, can we sort of what does that mean today, right? I mean, I think what what's happening right now is in the midst of all of this change, we're we're starting to, uh, you know, in some ways wiggle around and try to reframe uh, what identity and value means for people, which is fundamental, right? Yeah. Well, something that actually, yeah. Well, something that came up to me as I was thinking about all of this, and I guess it's because I'm married to a woman, and I guess within the gay community everyone's either trying to be like, you know, are you the feminine or the masculine kind of thing? And it's this idea that no one, well, at least the gay men I know, if they're ever like, oh, they're more the feminine one, they don't take it as a, I'm no longer a man. Whereas I find it's more my straight friends who if someone said you're feminine, they re they take it as, oh, I'm no longer a man. If that makes sense? Totally, totally. And you know, my, my sort of, sort of uh, line on that is – Generally, and it's changing now. I'm more comfortable with it. But in in how we talk at every man and how we put it out there, we don't use the terms masculine and feminine. I actually think they create a lot of uh, a lot of hurt and harm at this at this stage yeah. of the game. Because regardless of how you try to reframe or redefine what masculine it is, what femininity is, at the end of the day, right now it's so stuck in the zeitgeist. It's so stuck in people's minds and hearts that. Like if something is labeled as more masculine, boys and men are just, Definitely. it's going to be real hard for them not to want more of that thing. You know, it's, it's just a big, so I just, I think we can, we can like take the Eskimo yeah. snow approach here and try to be more precise with our language about it. So when we're saying, you know, that you're more feminine in the relationship, are we actually just saying that you're more expressive and, you know, share your love in a more clear way? Like we, I, I just think that would help. It would be more precise in what we mean when we say those terms. Hmm. Do you do you use any specific languaging then at every man? Uh, well, again, I, I think we try to break it down to basic emotional stances, you know, and and we and really get clear and specific. So, yeah, instead of saying feminine or masculine, I think what we're saying would be, you know, uh, some of what you would maybe consider masculine. Maybe I would just say, "Wow, you are." you know, very single pointed and focused. And, you know, it seems like you have a lot of dedication to this, to this, you know, specific task you're doing. And I admire your diligence. I admire your uh, sort of opacity and your ability to stay focused. 
right? And maybe some of the feminine qualities, I'd just be like, you know, you're demonstrating a, a lot of just, you're just really expressing your love or your, your joy, you know, I mean, because if we're going to be honest about it, like emotionality in general, especially in the classic or esoteric sort of philosophical bend, these are all feminine things, right? In the, in the ancient sort of Indian way, like yeah. well, all that masculinity is, is like clear open space of awareness and <laughs> femininity is basically all everything that moves and changes. And so, you know, in, in those terms, every man would be a deeply feminine project. Right. And yeah, of course. Yeah, that's true. So, well, I just, yeah, I, I guess I was just, I was just going to reiterate or repeat what I already said though, which is just that uh, we're, we're, what I, what we're angling toward is fullness and wholeness here. And, you know, the, the fact is uh, again, uh, what I tend to go back to is like, what does the, what does the world need today? What, what the, I ask personally, what does my family need? What would my children need from me? Right. Do they need, do they need the classic masculine traits? Do they need more feminine traits? Do they need, and it just seems to be the case for me that they, they need my fullness and they need my fullness is as healthy way as possible. So no, I'm trying to fill out the spectrum, I guess. Completely. And I think it's the same in the same token, women who harness their um, stronger traits, which would most often be seen as masculine is a wonderful thing. So I think both sexes can learn from the fact of like you don't have to be so uh, marginalized and stereotyped into one notion of what it is to be a human being when there are such incredible traits about ourselves that a allow expressions percent. in different and ways. I, and, you know, and I also think that if we step back to the 30,000-foot view, we can um, – you know, and again, I, I don't want to take away anybody's feelings. This isn't intended to do that, but give, a, give ourselves a little uh, – grace here and recognizing that something is shifting that is so so long and deeply ingrained as far as we can tell and maybe that's not even true i don't know you know maybe a thousand years ago this was totally different i don't i don't know but it seems to be the case that like we're trying to change something pretty deep here you know and yeah well i think sexuality was certainly viewed very differently thousands of years ago whereas now it's yeah. so you know, stereotyped. Um, so as we kind of finished up, something that I did want to ask, which was a, a request by one of my listeners, as she does, she's a single mom um, and she has a son, that if he had any, if you, sorry, not he, if, he, if you have any personal advice around how to raise boys in an age where the social dynamics between men and women are going through a certain recalibration. Yeah. Would you want me to answer that specifically to her, to, to it being a single mom or, or just general, general to raise? Boys. I say both. Yeah, so I, I am a, a huge proponent of, you know, first first of all, just parents in all, just parents, you know, being as sort of forthright and honest um, as possible in general, right? So like owning downfalls, owning weaknesses, all these things. But um, the the other sort of big thing that I would say with boys in general is, is I do think that, uh, whether it's a single parent or, a you know, a dyad, two parents, I don't think that's enough. Actually, I know it's not enough. I feel like boys need a, a community of mentors and a healthy adults to look up to. So I think some of the best thing that parents can do 
is specifically seek out situations where, you know, there's coaches or teachers or uncles or friends or, uh, you know, like I think like being explicit about mentorship and having places for our young boys and men to go to, to learn all the different things. Like I could actually like, like write out and script out my life story based on my mentor of the day, basically, you know, like when I was nine to 12, it was my Taekwondo instructor. When I was 16 to 20, it was my pig farmer boss. When I was in college, it was my anthropology professor, right? It's just like, I think that we, there's a more communal, uh, healthy point. I think that this, you know, singular family focus is fucked up on it just to be (laughs) flat about it. I don't think we can serve our children in the fullness that they need by one or two people. I just don't think it, it works very well. Well, I mean, isn't that the whole notion that we used to be raised by a village, whereas now it's this idea that if parents don't have all their shit together, that somehow they're wrong, as opposed to the idea that you have no idea what you're doing when you have children in general. It's an unworkable situation. It's like, the I mean, this is one of the funniest things. Like, I think the things that are the most important in life are the things we talk about the least and get the least actual instruction on. We talk about sex, talking about being a parent. Like these are the things that we don't, you know, we, we, we don't, we don't get that training, right? We, we, we are weirdly quiet about it. And, um, and so that, that would be another thing. I think just like, I, you know, personally, my wife and I are, are taking our our family and and family development as as seriously as we possibly can. And you know, I don't think we're being weird about it, but we're just you know paying a lot of attention. And and uh, I mean, it, we my wife and I look at each other, and we can clearly define you know the the things that hurt us when we were kids, what we needed, the ways we weren't loved, the ways we were loved, all that. And we have literally no illusion that we're not going to fuck our kids up. Of course we are. I'm sure we are. Um, but I also think like the bottom line is, is, is our commitment is to honor the truth of our kids over and over as much as we can and honor them for who they are and love them for who they are and create space for them to find and be who they are, you know, as much as we can, which, you know, I mean, if it if it were a perfect thing and it worked, you know, maybe my kids grow up and they don't need a man's group. That'd be pretty sweet. I don't know. Yeah, that would be that w- that would be the dream, wouldn't it? Right. Yeah, it's kind of that's kind of the point, I guess. Yeah. Before I ask you my final question, I just want to say thank you so very much. I think that if on a spectrum we can all do our little bit to employ some more empathy this world may just become a kinder place as we battle against all of these opposing forces that are seemingly being thrown at us from all these different directions so i really do love and appreciate the work you're doing dan i think it's tremendous uh my final question you're standing in front of a room of ten thousand men and women and you were able to offer one piece of advice what would you say slow down slow down that's it we we don't work we don't work very well at uh, at this rapid crazy pace that we live we're not i don't think our hardware has caught up to the software here in terms of the pace that we're it's so funny because my producer says the same thing to me (laughs) he's like our (laughs) software and hardware are not doing the same thing at once (laughs) thank you so much dan thank you 
Hey everybody, thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Modern Women. If this content is delivering value to you, it would be so helpful and appreciated if you head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher and rate and review us as that helps us build this incredible community. And ultimately, that is what this is all about, building this community as big as we can to help as many women as possible, and all of your ratings and reviews truly help with that. And before I go, a shout out to Chunky Love for the original music and to Mr. Darren Lake over at Podpace for helping me produce this show for all of you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello? Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.